Hey, before we get into the message, I want to take a moment and tell you about something special happening here at Union. We are in the middle of our Limitless Initiative. As a church, we're beginning construction on our headquarters in Bowie, Maryland. This is a state-of-the-art facility that will seat 2,400 people and serve as the central hub of all things Union Church. Our vision is to launch more campuses in both the DMV and beyond, ensuring that there's a life-giving community within driving distance of as many people as possible. Hey, would you consider partnering with our Limitless Initiative? 100% of your contribution will go directly to our mission of uniting people to purpose and helping people know a God that loves them more than they can imagine. Here's what I know. God doesn't respond to our giving. God responds to our obedience. Will you spend time praying? Ask God what he would have you give and obey. And as you do, he's gonna respond with immeasurably more than you can ever ask, think, or imagine. You can give by clicking on the link in the description or going to theunionchurch.com forward slash limitless. All right, let's jump into today's message. I'm excited. Here we go, it says this now. There was no water. Somebody say no water. No water for the congregation. So they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Anybody know sometimes it stinks being the leader? Because anything goes wrong, they come in for you. Since they gathered, they said they didn't go ask Moses and Aaron. They gathered against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up this assembly of the Lord into the wilderness that we and our animals should die here? In other words, Moses, you planned this. Your plan was for us to die in the wilderness. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranate, nor is there any water to drink. Remember, the way Moses convinced him to leave Egypt is saying that I'm going to take you to a land that's flowing with milk and honey. What they're saying is, you lied. We don't see no milk, no honey, no pomegranate. There ain't nothing out here. They're ticked off. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, take that rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together. Watch this. Somebody say, speak to it. Come on, one more time. Somebody say, speak to it. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, hear now, you rebels. I'm going to preach that message one day. Hear now, you rebels. Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. Pause real quick. What did God tell him to do? What did he do? Because sometimes these people will push you to a place. And water, can I add a word to the Bible without going to hell? Still came out. Don't miss that. 
God said, speak. He struck, and the miracle still happened. Water still came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. I've got a message entitled for you today, Think or are you a little prophetic on the 22nd day of <laughs> prayer and fa fasting? Listen, okay, I've been fasting for 21 days. I've been praying. I hear what the Lord says before you can say it. Go ahead with your bad self. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful. God, the atmosphere has changed for your spirit is here. God, we say overflow. Do only you can do. Speak, heal, transform, illuminate your word, heal bodies. Give peace, restore joy. God, take us one step closer to the plan, the purpose, the destiny that you have for us, and we will be ever so careful to give you all the glory, honor, and the praise. God, those things that are understood do not need to be explained. So we praise you in advance for the Ravens Super Bowl, and we just ask that you would heal Taylor Swift's heart. In Jesus' name we pray. And can the saints say... Amen and amen. Y'all knew it was coming. You knew. There is this, um, this shipwreck in 1703 on a ship called the San Jose off the coast of Colombia, South America, that at the time held in excess of $13 million worth of gold, rubies, and precious gems. Since 1703, based on the value of that gold, of those rubies, they said the shipwreck today would be valued at over $1 billion. And over the last three to 400 years, Entire companies with hundreds of employees have been created just for the purpose of diving and trying to recover parts of the shipwreck. If you knew that there was a billion dollars worth of gold and rubies and all you had to do was go down there and get it or send somebody else down there and get it, how many people know you would try you, you wouldn't just try, you would connive, you would scheme, you would plot, you would network, you would do whatever you possibly could do because you knew there was treasure. It was just down deep and I had to go get it. And by the way, tens of millions of dollars worth of gold has been recovered from this shipwreck because some people said it may be deep, but it's still valuable. And I'm going to go out of my way to get into the deep to draw out what is possibly priceless. Look at your neighbor and say, he's preaching about the Bible. He's preaching about the Bible. He's, he's preaching about the Bible. Hear me, God's word. Somebody say, it's deep, it's deep, it's deep, it's deep. And you can read it superficially. You can receive from it superficially and you can miss 
the gold. You can miss the treasure. You can miss the pricelessness of God's word. Or you can attend Union Church and not even realizing it, but by the fact that you attend Union Church and you went through step one of growth track and you signed that paper that says, I'm becoming a member, what you did not know is by signing that paper, you signed away your right to the shallow, to the superficial, to the to the immature. But by signing that paper, you said, sign me up for the deep things of God. I don't want to be a shallow, immature Christian. Paul said, I want to feed you guys meat from the word of God. He said, but some of you, I got to still feed you milk because you're, look at your neighbor and say, don't act like a baby. 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 Come on. Grow up, grow up, grow up, grow up. Some of y'all been wanting to tell your wife that now the pastor like, just, just look at the pastor told me to say it. I'm sorry. So what I want to do today is I want to kind of whet your appetite for the deep things of God's word and to teach you how to not just see God's word superficially, but to actually draw out the gold that is in it. Here's what God said about his word in Psalm 78 verse 2. It says, give ear, O my people, to my law, incline your ears to the words of my mouth. And here's what he said. I will open my mouth in parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. What is God saying? He said, I'm not going to leave everything in scripture on superficial level. Superficial is love thy neighbor as thyself. You, you don't need to read into that. It don't get no deeper than that. If you love you, love the person next to you. Do not steal. What is the, the revel, is no revelation. It's black and white. If it ain't yours, keep your hands off of it. But there are deeper things literally that God has hidden in his word. A spiritual book for spiritual people. And he said, if you would take the time to dive in there, you would find things that will blow your mind. Look at your neighbor and say, we're in seminary, we're in seminary, we're in seminary, we're in seminary. One of the seminary words of theologians that you'll hear often is the word exegesis, exegesis. Exegesis literally means just to draw out. To, to see what is in the text and to draw it out. And if you, if, if you do not know how to exegete, which means to accurately read God's word, you can read into it something that is not there. It won't be boring for all, but we're going to have a little bit of a, a lecture class today. Is that okay? There, there, there's different types of exegesis. There's historical exegesis which means you have to understand what time in history, what was written, was written. Because if you do not understand the time of history, you can read something into it that's not there. Like when Paul said, if you're not married, it is better for you to stay single. If you do not understand the historical context of that, you will preach a doctrine to the world that marriage is not desirable. Being single is more godly and holy. But when you understand the historical context of the church that Paul wrote it to, he wrote it to a church that was under persecution for their faith. And what they would do is they would take a person and they would say, if you do not denounce Jesus, we will kill you. And they found that the believers in that church were so committed to God that they were willing to lay down their lives for what they believed in. So they took it to the next level and they said, we're not going to kill you. And they grabbed their spouse. 
And they said, if you do not denounce Jesus, we will kill your spouse. And that's when they started to get shaky. He said, hey, I'll die for the gospel, but don't touch my husband. Don't touch my wife. And to that church, Paul said, because of the persecution that you're under right now, it's better that you don't have a spouse so that they won't kill them. Come on now. And here we are 2,000 years later, ain't nobody getting killed for nothing. Talking about, well, God's called me to be single. No, you're bitter because the last one didn't work out and you need to get healed. But that's next week's message. That's not, that's. <laughs> Move on. There's historical exegesis. There's contextual. I need to put it in context. There's allegorical, there's, I need to know what the allegory that Jesus, there was a man who had a field and in the field he discovered a treasure. It's an allegory that God has taught. There's also revelatory, there's a revelation. Some theologians don't believe in revelatory exegesis, but we'll explain it because it's absolutely real because the Holy Spirit reveals his word to us. Somebody, come on, just feel like, you're going to walk out of church today feel like a theologian. Somebody, somebody say exegesis. Not to be confused with eisegesis. Exegesis is to draw out. Eisegesis is to put. You see what I'm saying? It's the difference between truth and heresy. When I put something in God's word that's not in God's word, and I use it to be, I, I, I need to prove a point. So I'm going to find God's word and make God's word prove what I've already made up my mind is true instead of allowing God's word to speak for itself. Oftentimes, people will come to me and they'll say, Pastor, what is your interpretation on this passage? And I always smile and say, I don't have one because the Bible interprets itself. Hear me. We don't interpret scripture. Scripture interprets itself. I'm a, I'm a, can we geek out just for a moment? I'm going to read you nine verses in like three minutes, and I'm going to show you some of the revelation that God has hidden in his word. Isaiah chapter four, verse one says this. Seven women will grab to one man on that day. Sounds like a singles night that's coming up, but that's okay. Okay, read the Bible. Read the Bible. Stick to the word. Seven women will grab to one man on that day, saying, we will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us take your name, take away our disgrace. You get this, Isaiah, right? Seven women are going to cling to one man. They said, we'll make our own bread. We'll make our own food, our own clothes. Uh, just give us your name so that our grace can be taken, our, our disgrace can be taken away from us. Now, if you're in your Bible reading plan, you're reading through this on a random Tuesday, and you're rushing off to work, and you're like, seven women, one man, what in the world, this is wild, and you just move on, missing that there is a revelation here. Let's break it down. The first thing, and by the way, we don't get to say what things mean. Scripture says what things mean. Tracking? So when it says there's seven women that are clinging to one man, hear me, whenever you hear the scriptures talk about a bride or a woman, it's not just talking about the woman, it's talking about God's church. Does that make sense? So when it says seven women will cling to one man, it's talking about the church 
will cling to who is the man that we cling to? Jesus. Just because we're having fun, seven represents the number of completion. So what it's talking about is the whole, the end time church is going to cling to God. Well, you got to prove it in scripture. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. So you see, God is giving you an analogy between wives and the church. Going on, and he gave himself for, do you see that? He's now referring to the church as her, the bride of Christ. That he may sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. So we see from scripture that the bride or the wife represents the church. So as reading Isaiah 41, chapter 4, verse 1, it says seven women will cling to one man. This is talking about the church is going to cling to God. What are they going to do when they cling to God? They're going to say, we'll make our own bread. What does bread mean? The word of God. Can we get a little fun? Hey, Jesus, we're going to make our own doctrine. We no longer want to preach your word. We'll come up with our own word. But we just want to cling to you. Somebody say, prove it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We talked about in the first message of this series, the manna every morning, the bread every morning represented the word of God. When the bride says we're going to make our own bread, they said we're not going to preach from the Bible anymore. We want to make our own doctrine. Is this passage now getting interesting? Let's take it a step further. We'll make our own bread and we'll make our own clothes. What do clothes represent in scripture? Holiness, righteousness, right living. Somebody say, prove it. Isaiah 61 says this, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord for my soul shall be joyful in my God. For he has, here we go, clothed me. With the garments of salvation, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. Anybody having fun? Can I give you just one more? Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, you know this one. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Take me back to Isaiah chapter four, verse one. Did you guys catch all that? Seven women, the church, will cling to one man and say, we're not preaching for the Bible anymore. We're going to preach what sounds good. We'll make our own bread. And we're not going to adhere to God's standard of morality and righteousness. We'll make our own clothes. We'll say, I'm open-minded and we've evolved and we've got we've to be relevant for 2024. That was sin 2,000 years ago, but in 2024, it's no longer sin. We'll make our own clothes. But hear me, just still let us be called by your name. So we won't be disgraced. And no offense to the old preachers, but old preachers like, I don't know what's wrong with the church today. They're not holy anymore, and they've left the word of God. Well, you're right, 
And God said it was going to happen three, 4,000 years before you said it was going to happen. He declared it. And another passage actually says this, we'll all break our own bread in the same oven. You know, there's websites where you could download a message. You don't even have to prep it. You know how easy it is to be a pastor? And that was before chat GPT. Now you just give me three point message on joy. Baked in somebody else's oven. I don't need the Holy Ghost. I don't need prayer. I don't need the word. What, what, what am I saying? That when we learn to find the images and the revelation in God, it will blow your mind how deep this book is. So, when the children of Israel are in the wilderness getting ready to lay hands, and I'm not talking about holy hands, on Moses and Aaron because they have no water, and God says, speak to the rock that water may come out. Yes. That was a historical event. Yes, it really happened. But don't you think there's something there that applies to our life greater than just don't be Israel? Well, it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. says this, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the clouds. Somebody say cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Can I pause real quick and give you a revelation? The cloud was the Holy Spirit that led Israel through the wilderness. And we know the sea was the Red Sea. What was Paul saying? He said, I don't want you to be confused. God baptized Israel in the Holy Ghost. The cloud. And baptize Israel in water. So he's just throwing doctrine all in there that, hey, don't get it twisted. There's not one baptism. There's three baptisms. There's the baptism of salvation. There's the baptism of your flesh and water. And then there's the Holy Spirit baptism. And then do the message up. They all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. Somebody say water from a rock. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, watch this, and that rock was Christ. Israel in the wilderness can't get anything to drink. We're thirsty. God says, there's a rock there. Speak to the rock and water will come out. He said, no, no, that wasn't just a rock. That rock represents Jesus Christ, which we sing about on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All of the ground is sinking. What is it saying? It's saying that if you ever find yourself in lack, in need, Jesus is right there to refresh you. Can we have just a little bit more fun? Look at your neighbor and say, water ain't water. By the way, nothing is anything in the Bible. It's not just water. Proverbs 18 verse 4 says this. The words of a man's mouth are what? Deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. So Jesus is the rock. And water flows from the rock, but water is words. So what are we saying? That every single day, if you find yourself parched and thirsty, all you've got to do is take a deep drink 
of the word that came from the rock and it will transform your life. Week one, we talked about how God's word is bread. He said, I am the bread of life. Today in the time that I have left, I want to talk to you about how God's word is living water. Write this down, write this down. Be mindful of flood waters. Be mindful, be mindful, be mindful of flood waters. Have have you ever driven and you see it just rained and rained and rained and rained and rained and and you see kind of just water over the road and you're like, ah, I can make it. I'll be all right. I don't want to go the long way. I need to get home. I was driving home one night and, and I wasn't the car that said I can make it. I was the car behind the car that thought they could make it. And I literally saw this car make it through the water. And, you know, the water gets up to the wheel well. And then the water gets up to the door. And I'm like, man, it's going to be wet on the inside of that car. And I'm watching it. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know cars can drive sideways. This must be the new Hummer with the crab walk. And then I realized that car was no longer on the ground. It was now floating because it did not mind the flood waters. You've got to realize if you know what the revelations of the word of God say, there's flood waters everywhere. Somebody say, let's go a little deeper. <clears throat> For all my theologians says he never preaches out of revelations. Revelation chapter 12, verse 13. We finally got there. Don't complain if it's too deep. Here we go. Now when the dragon, let me explain it as I go. Y'all know that dragon ain't a dragon, right? That's Satan, the serpent. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, definitely Satan, he persecuted who? And now we know what that woman represents, the church. What does the enemy do here on earth? He persecutes the church. Persecuted the church and gave, who gave birth to the male, capital C, child, representing Jesus. But the woman was given two wings because when you mount up on wings like eagles, you shall run and not grow faint. You shall walk and not grow weary. Somebody say amen. Amen. The church was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and times and a half of a time from the presence of the serpent. So watch this. When the serpent couldn't get to the woman, when the enemy realized that he is powerless over the church, look what he does. The serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. Somebody say preach. So here's what the enemy said. He got cast out of heaven. The only thing he can attack here on earth is the church. But he realized that the church is covered and protected by God, shall mount up on two wings. By the way, what are those two wings? The power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's word. When I've got God's word and the Holy Spirit, I can fly over any attack of the enemy that he sends my way. And when the enemy realized I can't get to their marriage, I can't get to their kids, I can't get to their mother, Here's what I'll do. I'll spew words at them. Because if I can have words of negativity swirling around them, hear me, 
I can get them to curse themselves. Just look at your neighbor and say, he preaching, he preaching. You, you can tell he's been fasting for 21 days. He... Do you know what the number one attack of the enemy on your life is going to be? Negative words. Words that are opposite to what God promised you. He's going to speak those words over your marriage through your mother. It's called a pregnant pause. Through your father. Through your best friend who just got a divorce and now she's trying to encourage you to do the same. Birds of a feather. And you just see it as a person not understanding it is the enemy trying to destroy what God has not just given you, but has insulated from the enemy. And he knows I can't touch it, but if I can flood it, I can take it out. But here's the problem. We have been brainwashed by this world and we have miscontextualized scripture. So now you've got a bunch of Christians who don't like to be talked about. And instead of making God and his pleasure with our lives our number one priority, being liked by people has become our number one priority and being accepted by people who do not believe what we believe has become our number one priority. So now we are terrified of anybody saying anything bad about a Christian or about a church because it's going to mess up my witness. Hear me. It only messes up my witness if it's opposite to the word of God. But if it's not opposite to the word of God, it proves my witness that I am not open-minded. I am grounded on the word of God. And what he says yes is yes. What he says no is no. What he calls sin is sin. What he calls righteousness is righteousness. And if you don't agree, that's okay. I still love you. It just makes you wrong. But somehow we're afraid of saying that's right and this is wrong. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Because it's easy to shout amen about big political issues that don't touch your home. But you know who your pastor is, and it wouldn't be fair if I didn't move into your house and sit at your kitchen table. So you keep giving that loved one money. Even though God's word said, do not sow seed into bad soil. But you know if you stop giving the money, they're going to talk about you and say that you think that you're high and mighty and you've gotten all figured out and you've made it and now you've forgotten about us. And because you're afraid of the words of the enemy, you are going to live opposite to God's word because a little flood washed you out. Oh, I remember being in college and I thank God I was saved by the time I got there. I wasn't saved in high school, but Jesus got me about sophomore year, and I'm so grateful. Come on now, anybody grateful that he saved you? Some of y'all passed out. I wasn't saved freshman year. I know, we can tell. But by the time I got to college, I was good and saved. Like, woke up, went to class, got out, drove, led the youth group, read my Bible, prayed, literally led worship at my dad's church. You did... (laughs) You know how we had a different worship leader every day for 21 days of prayer? It was this guy 21 days in a row. 
I remember when I would get back on Sunday after church or whatever, the way they would humiliate me. Dude, you missed the party. We were at stamp. The cops showed up. Howard showed up because they always party at College Park. Anyway, cops started shooting rubber bullets. It was wild. You ain't hit that yet? You ain't got none yet? You're waiting for marriage? You do like women, right? Words, 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 words. And if you're afraid of some words, you will compromise on your faith. Just to make the words stop. By the way, the word says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 11, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things because you are a fo- because you are my follower. So it means if they ain't talking about me, I'm missing out on some blessings that God has for me. Somebody say contextualize. Now, it's not saying they talk about you on stuff that's true. So if you mean, and they say you mean, ain't no blessing in that. Get your life together. No, only for the stuff they talk about you for doing it God's way. Come on now. You need to be the person at work that they talk about. Hey, if you need a report fudge, don't go to them. Goody two-shoe. They will lose a contract instead of omitting a little bit of info. Yes, I will. Because the Bible says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And I'll miss out on a contract to keep the favor of God on my... Y'all got room for one more revelation that got nothing to do with the message? So do you know why Eve had to eat the fruit first? (laughs) You know, we I preach about how Eve ruined the world, the woman, and everybody said, where's Adam? He wasn't a man leading his home. Well, the woman, the bride, represents the the groom represents Christ. Who sinned first, the church or Christ? So the bride sinned, representing the church. I'm going to blow some of y'all Christians' mind because y'all ain't seen this before in your life. And passes it to the groom. Pastor, you're wrong now. Because Jesus never sinned. Yeah, but Adam bit the fruit. Why? Because he, who knew no sin, became sin so that he can be the righteousness of God. It was an image of Christ saying, all the sin that was on you, I'm going to take that sin on me. And I'm going to get cast out of my father's presence just like you were so that I can be the lamb that was slain that redeems you back in a right relationship from God. From the beginning, he was predicting the future. All throughout scripture, he's showing us. Before you messed up, I planned a way for you to get back in a right relation. Somebody say, it's deep. It's deep. It's like, y'all having fun? Second thing is this. Write this down. Write this down. Write this down. I've got to look for living water. 
I've got to look for living water. Now, not all words are Bible. All water is words. There's words from the enemy. There's words from God. There's words from my conscience. I've got to look for living water. I've got to look for living word. Remember in week one of this series, we said that God's word is the bread of life. I said, don't skip a meal. Eat every day. The truth is you can go about 60 days without eating. Tracking? You can only go three days without water. You, you, you can make it a month or two without food. You've got hours if you decide not to drink. And when we realize that the word of God is living water, what is he saying? He's saying, don't go too long without refreshing yourself, your mind. The Bible says we're in a dry and weary place. When it talks about a wilderness, it's simply talking about an atmosphere that is void of the peace of God, of the joy of God, of the purpose of God. You ever walk, went to work and came home just feeling, ugh? Everybody angry. Everybody's complaining. Everybody's depressed. Everybody's overwhelmed. You were in a wilderness and you need to refresh yourself from the word of God. You know the story in John 4 of the woman who had five husbands and the one she was with now wasn't even her husband. It says she came out when the sun was the hottest. Some say because they didn't, she didn't want to run into the other women that we're going to flood her with words. When she gets to the well, she finds Jesus waiting on her. And he looks at her and he says, hey, can you get me some water? Don't miss how Jesus operates. He always comes to where you are before asking you to come to where he is. He said, let me drink what you're drinking before I offer you what I'm drinking. And she said, I, I don't have anything to dip with, which makes so sense. Why are you going to come to a well with nothing to dip with? She was loose and she was slow. <laughs> Adding added some commentary. Jesus said, if you, if you drank the water I gave you, you'd never be thirsty again. In verse 14, he says, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into eternal life. This ain't the message I'm preaching, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. But if you read John 4, you'll see as soon as he told her about herself, you, you, you have five husbands and the person you're with right now is a living boyfriend. She said, oh, you must be a prophet. She got real spiritual, but it wasn't deep spiritual. It was superficial. Well, the religious people say you can only worship here, and I'm Samaritan, so I don't get to go to that church, and I was raised Baptist. What exactly denomination is Union Church? Jesus isn't missing me with all that. Do you want the water or not? 
Do, do you want to live or not? Do, do you want to have peace or not? Do you want to have eternal life? God's water refreshes. Can I tell you what else God's water does? It cleanses. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 44 says this, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts, watch this, sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We, you, you have no idea. We can't go a whole message without me quoting my favorite verse, Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed. Y'all gonna memorize this verse if it's the last thing y'all do. To the pat. Don't look up on the screen. It ain't coming because it ain't in my notes. <laughs> Do not be conformed. Like, where is it at, Pastor? It's right here. Do-, <laughs> Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the. Can I say another word for renewing? The washing. I'm going to turn. You get brainwashed. Hey, oh, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully fear is washed from my mind. Hopefully poverty is washed from my mind. Hopefully insecurity and rejection and timidity is washed from my mind. So I can walk forward as the person God created me to be. It's the word of God that washes us. The Bible says that if you sin, you should confess your sins to God. Well, if he's died for my sins and I've already been forgiven, why do I need to confess when I've sinned? Because there's a difference between your spirit and your soul. And your spirit is saved, but your soul can have paranoia and guilt and shame. And some of us, we've been forgiven by God, but we act like we haven't been. Because we have not washed our conscience and through his word realize I'm redeemed, I'm forgiven, I'm healed, I'm set free. Man, Sean, you're early. Got like 17 more verses. All right, Sean said I got to hurry up. So I can't preach it the way I want to. We'll hit point three. There's like four more services, y'all. Y'all got to get out of here. Now, I want to talk just for half a second to the three people in the room that are like, oh, I don't believe that word. That's what they use to validate slavery. Oh, yeah, I went there. I went there. We here. We, look at your neighbor and say, we here. We here. No, it's the Bible that they use to push genocide, to, to, to oppress women and all this other kind of stuff. Here's what you don't understand, that you can use God's word for evil, you can manipulate scripture for what it does not say and does not endorse, but don't get it twisted. It's not like God is going to sit back and just watch it happen. Somebody say, preach it. Moses, speak to the rock. Moses struck the rock. Water came. Flow. The miracle happened in disobedience. Moses twisted the word, and it still produced. Look what he said, just in case you've forgotten. Verse 12, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe me, watch this, and hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. As a pastor, you are not God, but you represent God to the people. Don't look at me that way. So do you. 
You, 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 you didn't hear the testimony we played before the service? She said, this was the only Christian life I got to watch. The believer represented Christ to the unbeliever around him. And God says, you're not walking in your destiny. You're going to die in the wilderness, not in the promised land, not just because you disobeyed me, but because you misrepresented me to the people. He said, you're not going in your, he said, the eyes of the children, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Don't get it twisted. People may twist God's word, but he is not sitting back inactive. He is responding to any single person that dares use his word to manipulate and to connive and to twist and to abuse. Revelation chapter 22 verse 18 says this, we're back in Revelation, y'all. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone dare adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues. Oh my gosh. The plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away, uh, one translation says, even a jot or a tittle. I don't know what a tittle is, but leave the tittles in the Bible. <laughs> If anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. Hear me. I know I don't dress like a pastor. I don't got a robe and a collar and three-piece suit and a little gold bishop chain. I want one of them gold chains. That should be gangster, bro. Just, just take it out. Check your watch. And put that shit back. But don't let me contextualize myself for society, get you confused, and make you think I don't reverence this thing. The Bible says those who preach this word, be careful, because you're held to a different standard. And you may say, well, I know this pastor, and he live and got three different girlfriends in three different cities, and I know this guy, and he's stealing money, and I know this, and I know that, and all this other, and hear me, God will not be mocked. What a man sows, he also shall reap. Well, I'm confused, because they're not living holy, but yet miracles are still breaking out of the water. Don't be confused. Water came out of the rock, even though Moses disobeyed. All that means is God cares about watering the people. It doesn't mean he ain't going to deal with Moses. Moses. Come on now. Any y'all been ever, ever acted up in public? And your mama said, wait till we get home. I ain't going to do it in Target because I ain't going to be one of the people. But when you get home, you, you are your best behavior all day long. As soon as you get home, you clean your room, you vacuum because you know. God's not my. Nobody gets away with manipulating people under the guise of Christianity and God not deal with it. But saying, I don't believe the Bible because somebody used it to manipulate people is like saying, I don't drink water because somebody used it to waterboard. Some people use water to torture but I'm still going to try to get my gallon a day so I don't die, all right? Last thing is this. Write this down. Plant your life by the water. Plant, plant your life by the word of God. Can, I'm going to read it, but I'm going to preach it before I read it. I'll, I'll do both. Stop 
visiting God's word and get planted on God's word. Psalm verse one, verse one, um, chapter one, verse one. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of woke people. But stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the... I don't even want to be around you if you want to celebrate things that God despises. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree. Somebody say planted. Somebody say planted. Get planted. Stop picking the church that got the new building and the new youth program and keep free. Planted. Go to Grove Track. By the rivers of water, the people that are planted bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaves also shall not weary. And watch this. And whatever he does shall prosper. Here's the problem. We treat God's word like it's a buffet. And we go down the aisle and we say, can I get a scoop of prosperity? No, I don't want any of that humility. Hey, can I, can, can I get a couple slices of favor? No, no, no. I'll skip the generosity. I'm good. We walk down the word of God and we pick and choose what we want to eat, what we want to apply to our life. What does that mean? It's we're not planted. And then on our elementary understanding of scripture, well, that was not for today's time. That wasn't, no, 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 no. You don't get to eisegete. You got to make up your mind. I'm planted. We, I make fun of the old folks. But they still here, so they're doing something wrong, right? And when they said, if God said it, I believe it. That settles it. What are they saying? I'm not being naive. I'm not being controlled. I'm not being brainwashed. I just know that this word is not a suggestion. It is God himself. And if he said it, it is going to bring prosperity in my life. And by the way, if I don't understand it, I need to ask the Holy Spirit to re reveal it to me. If I don't agree with it, that's when he becomes the Lord of my life. And I decide I'm submitting to your word. And if I haven't seen it produced, I'm not going to dig up the seed. But I'm going to know that there's seed, time, and harvest, and it will produce in my life. John chapter 7 verse 37 says this, on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, watch this, as the, some people believe in God, but not as the scripture says, I believe he was a good man. I believe he was a prophet. I, no, no, no. I believe in him as the scripture has said, out of his heart, where's the King James version? Out of his belly shall flow streams of living water. Yes, that stream of living water is the Holy Spirit, but it's also the word of God. He said, if you believe in God, the way that he said it, you're going to begin to say out of your mouth what the word says. Come on now. Can you practice that for about 10 seconds? 
Can you begin to speak over your marriage, present or future, what God says over it, that if God puts it together, let no man break it apart. One may chase a thousand, but two could chase tens. We're going to have tens of thousands of influence and impact because God is on there. Can you begin to speak over your career? He is opening doors that no man can shut, and he's shutting doors that no man can open. Can you begin to speak over your health? By his stripes, I have been healed. That children's bread is the healing of their father. Out of my mouth is going to be what the word of God says. And it will produce prosperity. Look at your neighbor and say, it ain't a cuss word. It's also not a Bentley. Prosperity means to move forward. I decree and declare God is going to move forward every single area of your life as you plant yourself on the word. You believe it flowers. Come on, get somebody shout. Amen. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that you are living water. God, I'm praying for that person that came in today, God, drained, exhausted, maybe overcome with guilt, shame. God, your word refreshes. God, your word cleanses. Your word heals. Do what only you can do. Hey, take a moment. Can you pray this prayer? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? We do this every week, but the question never changes. Do you have Jesus in your life? Because you can go to church and you can scream and you can shout and you can be encouraged, but the truth is, everything I just preached doesn't apply to you if Jesus isn't the center of your life. Paul said, it is in him that I live and move and have my being. I make fun of church a lot because I grew up in it, but because I grew up in it, I know that you could be in it and not know the God of the church. So wherever you find yourself, whether you grew up in church like me and you know you've never surrendered to Jesus or maybe you're just fresh, maybe you're in that season where you've tried out a whole bunch of stuff and you're saying, I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, this is your moment. You say, Pastor, I, I need hope. I need life. I need purpose. Right where you're sitting, Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you are living water. You came that I may have life. I believe that you came to earth, took on my sin, died on a cross, shed your blood so that I can be forgiven and made new. And in this moment, I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord, be my Savior, and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on. Can you celebrate for every single person?